0: If you enjoy the show, share it with a friend. You can find us at facebook.com slash Slip Angle Show. And you can visit our new home on the web at wwwtracktunecom slash Slip Angle. You can also leave us reviews and ratings in the iTunes store. Welcome to Slip Angle Show. I'm Austin Cabot and today we're in Chino Hills, California with Anthony Magnoli, uh, the 2012 NASA Spec E30 National Champion and also professional driving coach at DriveFasterNow.com. And also a vehicle dynamics engineer at Fiat Chrysler Automotive. So pretty awesome stuff he's going on. And joining us is also Andrew Adams, uh, product development manager at Ireland Engineering, uh, BMW 2002 and E30 specialist. Uh, And also they're a a big partner uh, with Anthony's uh, Spec E30 uh, and Drive Faster Now program. So what's going on, guys? Hey Austin, uh, good to be here. It's uh, great that we were able to meet up here in Chino Hills, uh,
1: California. And yeah, our schedules just some, somehow miraculously aligned. It's the miracle of the
0: automotive world, isn't it? I think that's actually the the longest intro that I've ever done, too. But <laughs> so, but yeah, lots of stuff to talk about. Uh, I think I saw you just post up on Facebook that you were in the area, uh, and was like, hey man, would love to have you on the show. So this one was was very last minute. Yeah. Um, but it should be should be a good time. So yep. that's
2: exactly how I got a hold of Anthony too, as I saw his little Facebook post. Yeah, and... yep. the
0: power of social media, man. <laughs> it's amazing. Yep,
2: I've uh, I've heard Andrew's
1: voice so many times over the phone, and you know we had to you know, put a face to the to the voice, and it's. Uh, it's a- Great thing that we were able to finally do it. Yeah, so yep. is it to
0: the point now where now you're gonna envision him when you're when you're talking to him on the phone?
1: Yeah, oh that sultry voice over the phone and envision, <laughs> you know, those flat spectacles and uh, that curly hair. Reality's gonna let you down
0: <laughs> yeah. now, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's to me like one of those things when uh, like when I moved to Chicago, I talked to like some, one of like one of the S2000 guys on the forum so much that like I knew how to like interact with them, but I'd never met them before. <laughs>
2: so you know, it was really, it was just really, really it, weird. It's awkward, at yeah. first, Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, so I, I don't even know this area very well, and I um, I searched around for a place to eat, and ended up with a place that was looked good on uh, the Yelp reviews, but in reality was questionable so Anthony kind (laughs) of saved the day on that one. Yeah I got there early and which is unlike me
1: completely (laughs) unlike me but uh, I heard some of the conversations going on around there I was like you know let's go somewhere a little bit safer it's more of a sure thing.
0: Were you over by like Ontario before? No I was there. No you were Okay okay.
1: Maybe more of a because yeah, there's place. a
0: stark difference from uh, where we are right now to like Ontario and yeah, like Fontana. Fontana and and, and
1: <laughs> the locals tell me that they call it Fontucky. Yeah. <laughs> and being that you know I've lived in Kentucky for ten years, I'm slightly offended, <laughs> but not really.
0: <laughs> I actually, I stayed out there um, over by. I guess is there like a Fontana Mall or something? I don't know. It's oh, over in, by Yoshinoya or over
1: Ontario Mills Mall or something okay. like that. Yeah. We
0: stayed like kind of over there. I was with uh, Brian Gillespie from Hasport, that does a lot of like Honda engine mount, engine motor mount swaps and everything. Sounds familiar. Yeah. Um, was hanging out with him for an event that was going on at Fontana, and like he told me the address for the hotel, and I rolled up and was like, "Oh my God, where am I?" Like, <laughs> there's a racetrack around here? That's yeah. weird. Like, do cars get stolen in the lot? So well,
1: you know, racetracks they need to be out in the middle of nowhere to piss off the
0: locals. You look at what NCM's going through right now, you know? Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, so i actually you know i i guess i kind of met you in passing uh at the 2012 nasa national championships uh when jason kohler had to pull the cams out of his s2000 for the honda challenge race you guys were actually going through impound at the same time Mm -hmm. Uh, and so i kind of like i think there was a little bit of drama going on at that point um impound was tight (laughs) you know i i finished up front
1: had an 18 second gap to the field and um I recall, let's see, they pulled shocks. Uh, they were a little bit easy honestly. us. They pulled um, ECUs, and they were uh, checking diff breakaway torques. Okay. And I had I had tuned my diff to be at the right limit. Right at the spec. And it was at
0: the limit. <laughs> I was sweating what it, bullets. What, is the lim- was the limit like 150 back then? No, no, no. no, no it's, no, it's still like 65 foot pounds. Oh, it's that yeah. low? Oh, it's that low, yeah. Never mind. I thought yeah. it was higher. Yeah. Never mind. Shows you what I know.
1: Yeah, so... <laughs> Uh, I mean, it makes a difference on the car's handling. Yeah. I mean, even 10 foot-pounds, you'll, you'll notice a difference in, uh, in the car's handling, you know, especially at mid-Ohio, which has so many cresting turns. Um, Where do
0: you notice it the most? Like at Madness
1: and going into Thunder Valley? A- exactly. Okay. Yeah. Madness and Thunder Valley. Okay. Um, you'll get more looseness there. Um, and But ultimately, the car's a little bit tighter to use NASCAR speak or a little bit more understeer elsewhere um, if the dip is uh, is locking up a little bit harder. But. Okay. Um, yeah it was it was worthwhile to tune it especially for that track um, to get everything that you that we could and um, yeah I was just right there at the limit it was, it was close but, you know what could have been uh, different had had it read of literally diff smaller, right. you know, higher So, yeah. Man. skin her teeth yeah
0: I mean but that was that was a really big accomplishment though I mean that was Absolutely. that was a big field that year
1: yeah, yeah, we had a good 25, I want to say 25 or 25 plus cars. Um, and, you know, it was home track advantage, I guess. But um, but it was a big field. And um, I've been pushing myself and um, my, my race engineer, Nate Tooling, had uh, been pushing the limits of the car. We developed a front splitter for the car yeah. that, you know, by popular belief was something that would never help the car or would upset the balance. And um, I debuted at a few races prior, and uh, when I walked the field then, you know, all of a sudden everybody's showing up with splitters, and then they <laughs> you know, win the national championship. And and granted, you know most of the top ten I want to say had splitters, mm-hmm. but um, it wasn't it wasn't uh, through the entire field, and they didn't. You know, in the, in the spirit of spec racing, it doesn't matter if the car's faster or not. It's just making them the same, and so it was outlawed the next year.
0: Okay, and.
1: Uh, and nobody's really complained. I haven't complained. So yeah, it's, it's whatever. Yeah.
0: Now, what's your what's your preferred uh, bumper choice for for the Spec E thirty? I know some of the guys like the newer bumpers, and some of the guys like the diving boards. But you know.
2: Yeah. Um, uh, Andrew, what's the prettiest? <laughs> <laughs> I've always been a fan for the diving boards. Oh yeah! Oh, yeah wow. Yeah. Okay. That's odd one out, but yeah, uh. it's not that surprising though, being that you guys really are focused around 2002. Yeah, a little bit more, a uh, little bit more shiny bits on the yeah. card. <laughs> <It> certainly helps. <laughs> what
0: kind of things do you guys make that some of the like uh, the, the Specy 30
2: guys might run? Oh, a lot of the bushings, okay. sway bars, suspension, that kind of deal. Okay. So, awesome. Yeah.
1: I I run a multitude of Ireland parts Uh, they've been big supporters of my program or since well before 2012 i want to say yep. about 2010 yep. uh, or maybe when i was even with bmw club before that um i trying to remember when we met but um but I I've, a lot, I've got a lot of you guys parts <laughs> on the car um there's a few that are absolute go-tos that i won't go to anybody else for um some of the bushings uh rear sway bar in specific area in particular and uh, some of the mountings and and uh and bushings okay um, but they've got pretty much everything that um, I think I've even got my shocks to you guys and stuff, but
0: yeah.
2: um, they've got everything to build a Spike E30 from the ground up.
0: Okay. So,
1: And
2: I know a couple of years ago uh, we went through the legality process and got the heavy-duty rockers legalized because there oh, was nice. a lot of issues with That's right. the breaking going on.
1: So. Huh. Oh, and I wish I'd had those in 2008 uh, <laughs> when I was half a lap from securing the BMW Club National Championship in K-prepared and uh, had a rocker failure. And uh, boom went the motor. Um, (laughs) That would have,
0: yeah, that would have saved me there. Yeah. So, So, Andrew, how do you guys come up with, like, a lot of your products? Is it just kind of knowing what the cars need, essentially?
2: Yeah. We see what uh, guys like Anthony break. Yeah. And uh, try to make something better. Okay. And that kind of has been that way for 25 years now.
0: Oh, nice. I didn't realize you guys had been around
2: for that long. Yeah. Jeff. Jeff, who started the company, was an old-school uh, metallurgist. Oh, nice. And so, uh, he, yeah, he's been playing around with them for a long time now.
0: Okay. So. Now, most of the bushings that you guys do, I mean, for the at least for the E30s, are there different, like, through the model years, do they change at all? Like, I know l- BMW, at least now, loves doing that, like, depending on, like, the trim package and everything. Like, some things might be a little different. I'm not sure if it's oh, like yeah. that with E30s no, they're, or...
2: They're very, very, very... Um, Straightforward. Okay. For example, a trailing arm bushing from a 1969 BMW 2002, you can run it on a 1996 318i. Oh, really? Oh, wow. It's you know <laughs> there there's a lot of a lot of development that they you know if it fits you know if it works uh, don't need to fix it. So okay. And keep in mind from
1: the OEM side, all those changes are are very fine-tuning, and they're primarily for road driving yes, right yes. right yeah you know, you know, when we're talking about you know, preparing a track car re- even restoring an older car but um, preparing a track car a race car you know you have one purpose in mind yeah. and really in the grand scheme of things like making a car go fast is really easy making a car you perform adequately and also do all these other things like ride comfortably and smoothly and get good fuel
0: economy that's where it gets hard.
1: yeah i mean you've got compounding factors there that um you know it's all trade-offs at that point yeah Yeah. and so you'll have you know model your to model your you know bushing rate changes um and snubber changes and things like that just to account for uh differences in tires or shock packages or a variety of things that uh, might just be continuous improvement for the vehicle platform. Okay. So <laughs> things have changed a lot. Yeah, the and that's stuff that you know years. very
0: well too. So. Uh, start. I'm learning. You know, I've
1: <laughs> got less than a year on the job. So. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So yeah. So recently, you just moved up to Detroit, right? Or uh, the Detroit Ann area, Ann Arbor. Yeah. Yeah. Yep,
1: okay. Just west of Ann Arbor, and uh, yeah, we're we'll with Chrysler at the Chrys- at the uh, Chelsea proving grounds. Okay. And um, traveling from there, but it's uh it's been great for me i've I've been on the manufacturing side of things as close to the vehicles as i could get working with off um offline quality equipment but uh, and that would be like dynos and you know test tracks and um audit lab uh, equipment stuff but um working on the product is where my heart was and uh i cannot see going back so yeah it's, you know, completely hands-on at this point. You know, driving is, is virtually a daily um, aspect of my job. And, uh, and you know, the company actually is, you know, if you have Chrysler and, you know, really talking about Chrysler, you know, they're a little bit smaller than, than Ford and GM, but they also have more flexibility. And you see that in their product over over the number of, you know, over the years. Um, you know, their design language has been... More expressive. Uh from you know, Cap4 design to cars like the Prowler and Viper that um that kind of stuff, even the PT Cruiser. Yeah. You know, um <laughs> you know, I was we, reading we look back and scoff, but it was very yeah, aggressive. Was, I was yeah. reading
0: an article recently that I think might have been on Road and Track about the Prowler and how yeah. its main intent was to essentially be like a design study and how to use aluminum for the bodies. Yep. So I thought that was really interesting. Yeah. And when you think about it, it makes sense. But at the time, I know everyone was like, oh, why doesn't it have a V8, you know? But yeah. that really wasn't the intent of the car. Yeah. And,
1: you know, what I don't really know is whether that those learnings were actually applied or not, yeah. um, which, you know, that, that would have been the point. But um, I am the uh, proud owner Of a Pontiac Fiero, which you could say was a similar type of exercise. GT? (laughs) It is an 88 GT, five speed with 20,000 miles on it. Oh, you
0: know uh, what? I saw on Facebook where you had it on the trailer and there was an accident on a bridge, like right in front of you. Oh, I had a. And you're like, don't worry, the Fiero is fine. Yeah,
1: yeah. I had a Mustang (laughs) of all cars get a little over aggressive in his lane changes. you know, boot full of throttle and a fist full of uh, steering input and he was sideways in front of me um, from two lanes over and uh, I t-boned him but the Fiero was fine, the Fiero was not on, on the trailer because it had had a fire or anything like that. Um, I was just transporting it from
2: Kentucky up to uh, yeah. Ann Arbor. So. That Mustang driver um, probably got pretty intimidated by your Fierro there. Yeah.
0: <laughs> he was just showing off. He was yeah. showing off. He's he like, see. oh, Fierro, this see. guy knows what's up. <laughs>
1: <laughs> he didn't see anything but the front bumper of uh, yeah. my truck, which uh, <laughs> impaled the side of his, oh, his car. And we were dead center in the Brett, on the Brett Spence bridge uh, between Kentucky and Cincinnati. Wow. I, was, I was 20 minutes into my drive. Oh, man. Uh, so, fortunately, I was able to drive away. He wasn't.
0: So what's what's the story behind the Fiero? Well, my uh,
1: my uncle had one when I was a kid. He had an '87 GT, and you know, growing up, it was just what I recognized as a sports car. And so I've always had that nostalgic factor for a Fiero. There's really no other good reason to own a Fiero. Um, no offense to Fiero owners out there. They're pretty cars. They sound good. They actually can do things all right. But you know, there's other options as well. <laughs> you have to have a reason, I think. But um, I, uh, a friend of mine um, that I worked with at the Toyota, he, he had a friend locally in, in uh, Cincinnati whose father had uh, several of them. Unfortunately, he had fallen off his roof and died. And um, they were you know, liquidating some of the uh, uh, things that he had. The other two cars went for parts. I always said if I was ever to get a Fiero, it was gonna be an 88 GT five-speed. Oh. <laughs> and that's apparently what this car was. When I went and looked at it. It wasn't the color that I thought it was gonna be. Didn't really matter it had sent, it had sat in a body shop since 1992 wow up yeah. under there's uh body shop and it had been wet sanded or sorry uh yeah it had been wet sanded back then and never buffed so when i saw it it looked gray it was a black car but it looked gray very taken apart uh, a lot of the trim and interior pieces he's put it these guys put it all back together one of them was uh worked at a high end body shop in uh in cincinnati buffed the whole car out um and the thing looked immaculate when i, took it home, I put wheels and tires and uh, shocks and springs on it. It's basically been good to go after I, the next year found all the rust came out <laughs> of the fuel tank and started clogging up the filter <laughs> and drove me nuts for an entire year until I figured out what was going on. And it's been, it's fun. I mean, I, I don't even put a thousand miles on it in yeah. a year, but it's it's a neat little car. Yeah. And you know, to bring this full circle, the reason it was brought up was, as most people probably know, it's got a plastic body and a space frame and, um, It was pitched uh, to um, to the GM executives as really an economy car and and an exercise um, at that in uh, in engineering the body and in lightweight and kind of modular architecture, and um, and that really led into what then what in the '90s was uh, Saturn and. I actually happened to own my first car. My first car that was my own was, was a like an SC2 Saturn. or something. Oh, or SC2, exactly. <laughs> I leased one when I was, uh, my parents helped me lease one when I was uh, in high school and into college because I was looking at $3,000 sports cars, which was every dollar I had to my name. And, yeah. You know, late 80s, like RX7, Supra, uh, 3000 GT, that kind of crap, that would have killed me.
0: What, what trim level did you have?
1: Because uh, some of some them had them a called. decent
0: motor and like were pretty well, decent autocross the, cars, the weren't the they? SC2. They have like was,
1: the quad it was a four twin or cam or? motor. Okay. Yeah, it was a 1.9 twin cam, manual transmission. Um, this is the three-door coupe. And um, the MG Car Club in Rochester, New York, <laughs> got me uh, into my first autocross. And uh, I remember I beat up on a couple cars. That, who knows who was driving, but there was a 944 Turbo, I think. Okay. And a few other cars. And... Um, and I'd been a few guys and I was you know, hooked. I had this adrenaline rush I'd never felt before. And, um, and so I, uh, I went to the dealership the next day to get my third set of shift cables installed. <laughs> because I'm you know, 17, so every, every start is like first gear to redline and yanking second gear as hard as I can, right? And just you know, you know, loosening up those shift cables. And so I went in and uh, they were like, uh, do you race this car? I'm like, define race. <laughs> um, they like, no, we just heard about you because some of our guys were at this autocross yesterday and blah, blah, blah. And um, and, and you don't have a warranty anymore.
0: So, oh. fortunately. Um, just go to the other dealership in town. Yeah, well, I, I wasn't
1: as wise then as I am now, but <laughs> who knows if they actually get into it or not. But I, fortunately, I didn't have any more incidents after that. And um, the same guy that got me into the uh, into autocross at MG car the MG Car Club, um, let me autocross his MGA mm. with an MGB motor which was basically a dedicated autocross car for him and um, it, it was a different experience Yeah, I mean, the, an MGA is a beautiful car um, and just a big wooden wheel, manual, everything <laughs> and I mean I had such a learning curve for that thing but he drove it like it was just an extension of him um, I remember this one. Uh, we're getting uh, such a tangent here, but um, <laughs> there was a hairpin turn, and it's one autocross. He would pitch it in, yank the e brake, slide the thing around. And that was his way. This one time, he he pitched it in, pulled the e brake, slid it around. His driver's door opened mid-slide. He reached his arm out, <laughs> grabbed it, yanked it <laughs> shut. <laughs> grabbed first gear and pulled out of that thing like nothing had happened. And I was just, I had my jaw was on the floor. <laughs> was it floor. because that was
0: like a typical occurrence for those cars, though? The doors would just swing open uh, whenever? I maybe maybe he was we just no used to idea. it. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure he focused. I wonder if you know, there's so his... much like chassis flex that it just like <laughs> pops doors open. You know, I don't remember if those cars
1: had like wooden structural panels or if it was a Triumphs because I would seen another car that he was, uh, he was building. But, uh, man, George is a good guy. I, I give him so much credit for getting me into the sport. Um, and uh, it was the MG Car Club in Rochester, New York. Who would have thought?
0: Yeah. <laughs> I'm just impressed that there's an MG Car Club that actually uses the cars. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. 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 Those I are mean, British guys. Like, down, yeah. I guess, down in Georgia, like, when I was growing up, like, everyone's like, what the hell's an MG? You know, but so the likelihood of an MG Car Club actually holding an autocross. Well, first, even existing... But then holding an autocross, yeah, completely, completely far-fetched and down there.
1: You know, certainly they don't even know what they started yeah. back then, you know, yeah. in, in 1999 <laughs> or 2000, whenever it, it would have been 99, I think. Yeah. So it was a slippery slope for
0: me. <laughs> <laughs> so now, Andrew, I know that you uh, you were talking earlier before you came on the air that you're actually restoring a 2002 right now. Right. Uh, 71. Okay. Awesome. TII or?
2: Not a no? TII. Okay. Uh, just pretty stock on the outside except uh built a stroker 2.9 m20 in it oh uh, nice put Ooh. throttle bodies in it and uh surprised well, well, some people hopefully. sorry you said throttle bodies That's yeah plural. yeah <laughs> itbs yeah some oh, itbs wow. um we have a good customer in australia who made some and just knocked him out of the park i said give <laughs> me a set please and he said okay and uh put them on the car um to be honest, it's not running yet. Yeah. I'm trying to get it done for Monterey this year because BMW's having their whole celebration thing. Yeah. And uh, it, it'll be a lot of fun. I want to surprise some people. How but... much power do you think it'll make? Oh, boy. <laughs> uh, I'm hoping for 220 at the wheels. Wow. But I don't want more because then I'll break the diff if I <laughs> abuse it.
0: I mean, that's a pretty light car, though, too, isn't it? Yeah. Um... In... Between
2: 22 and 24, right around there. Yeah, I mean, that's some... That's gonna be a lot of fun to drive. <laughs> a It'll lot be of fun. fun, especially since it's a dedicated street car. It's yeah. not not a race car whatsoever. So okay, it's not one yet. Of those. Not yet. Don't know. That's how <laughs> everything starts. <laughs> <laughs> everything starts. Oh, it's not, not
0: a race car. I've already like tried to figure out how to like cage the wagon and like uh, make it a nice like endurance race car.
2: <laughs> I'm scared. I, I get I get guys who call up and they 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 tread that path and there are guys like Anthony that make it work and rock it, but then there's guys that you know. I, I full due respect, but sometimes it's just not for them. Yeah, it's, it can be harsh. What kind of things <laughs> do you guys
0: make for uh, for 2002s? Uh,
2: same thing. Same thing: suspension, okay. engine, all that jazz. Okay. Um, I get a, I get to have a lot of fun. You know, like this afternoon, I was making a shift knob. You know? Oh, nice. Tomorrow, you know, we might work with uh, different piston designs. So we're all over the place. Okay. Usually, yes. are, are parts, uh, like, in stock on the shelf and ready to ship out? or? Yeah, we'll, we'll supply a lot of the parts. Okay. You know?
0: um, so I wasn't sure if some things were, like, so specific that it was, like, build to order, essentially? or?
2: There are. A lot of the suspension kits okay. um, will be that way. You know, we've been doing coilover systems for you know, 25 years. Now, are most the of the
0: bushings, from, are they... Um, The bushings that you guys do, sorry to interrupt,
2: Uh, are they, is it like polyurethane or what? Yeah, in fact, I know for a lot of the cars, we were, I I mean, again, we've been doing for a long time, but uh, usually on a street car, it's something like an ADA durometer, um... You know, for a race pretty, car.
0: Pretty stiff for a street car. I, I would guess it's kind of there in the middle, but... <laughs> they,
2: they give us some options, you know.
0: Yeah. You, you, you oh,
1: can yeah. you throw you some aluminum rubber, in <laughs> there if, if you are got a dedicated, purpose-built car. But yeah. if oh, you yeah. want to
2: street drive it, that's probably not the best idea, and they give you options for okay. whatever your purpose is. Okay. Oh, yeah. And a lot of times, you know, we'll see guys that make bushings now where it's just, you know, you cut a, cut a piece of rod and put a bolt through it, where we've isolated either end, and, you know, it's all poured. Oh,
0: nice. Okay. But nicely. And you were, sorry, I cut you off before you were talking about how long you guys were making, like, suspension, like, coilovers and stuff. A long time. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So you guys spec, like, most of the spring rates and everything and... Yeah, we work with... uh, And the valving and everything, too?
2: Yep. yep. Okay. Uh, We work with uh, Eibach quite a bit. Okay. Uh, They do a lot of the springs for us, and and we go from there. Awesome. So you're going to have, like, the whole catalog on your 2002, essentially? Yeah, yeah yeah and if we don 't have it i 'll find an excuse to make it yeah. for myself and then, and then, then you then, have a new
0: product in the lineup yeah it works
2: great yeah' it's, it's, it works
0: That's great. pretty pretty convenient
1: yeah he 's done some of that already. Yeah. You know, finding, finding a need and then pushing, pushing the the drive to, uh, you know, to create a solution yeah. right
2: well, these pistons for example you know there's I wanted to do a really nice uh stroker piston for two point nine and I really wanted one that would be great for street. So you don't have too much expansion contraction, but you don't want to, you know, give up on the strength. And uh, I was, we were at SEMA a couple of years ago, and, and Molly Motorsport had a really neat alloy, and said, "I gotta have that." And it took me six months to convince my boss, but uh, sure enough, we started making them, and, uh, nice. oh, and we went. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's perfect, man. I mean, you're in, you're kind of in a, a unique position. So th- had you been into BMWs before you started working in Ireland? or? Yeah, well, okay.
2: I got the car, um, I moved down to Southern California in my first week. Uh, my Honda Accord uh, was totaled. Oh, man. Yeah, and that was, I was literally... Sounds um, like time to upgrade. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. well, and that's the li- I found the O2 uh, up in Seattle, took a one-way ticket, um, flew up to Seattle, and took three weeks or so to drive it down all of Highway 1. Wow, so, awesome. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, um, something that uh, I'm glad I did, but I definitely wouldn't do now. So. <laughs> <laughs> but isn't
1: it great, like those those automotive experiences that are like just ingrained in you, like you're never going to forget those. And it must have been like the perfect car for the perfect road for like it all comes together, you know. It's actually, was, yeah, he's a
0: brave awesome. man, though, too. I mean, unknown car, really? Mm-hmm. Like, you just bought it, you're like, yeah, I'll take the scenic way all the way back.
2: <laughs> I got lucky. I, I I don't deny that. And um, there were a couple of close shaves, you know, a selector rod comes undone, and I have to fix it with a paper clip. That <laughs> oh. makes the story okay. that
0: much better, though. Oh, yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> My wife, yeah, I, that's probably, wouldn't happen now. No. <laughs>
0: Yeah, it's. Uh, I actually did part of um, part of Highway One uh, just last week, oh. uh, like from pretty much from San Luis Obispo all the way up to San Francisco. The best. And then part. yeah, yes. yeah, and then we went a little further north too. And then we did uh, I did Moholland Highway mm-hmm. too, which actually like up at the top gets like really really technical for mm-hmm. a section. It's good, yeah. And really tight. And then we did uh, Angeles Crest too. So. Very cool. Yeah, we did, actually did both of those and the Peterson Museum all in one day. It was a very wow. big day.
2: That's busy. <laughs> I think Especially my
0: dad was with me, and I could just like see him just like holding on to the OSHED oh handle um, <laughs> the whole time. I tried not to scare him too bad, but
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, last uh, weekend my my girlfriend Christina came out with me, and uh, we tried to do um, US one. And uh, on the weekend we, though, <clears throat> um, was it Friday or Saturday? Okay. Friday. Okay. It was Friday. Okay. But so we we got off from we were like Long Beach area, and we we're planning on heading north. Got off onto onto the one sat in traffic for about 40 minutes and aborted <laughs> yeah yeah well, like we through actually, like redondo beach and like going need, up through venice didn't you didn't even get that moved. far oh. we turned around oh, we started going south and then we headed down to huntington beach okay and so I mean, it was just a cruise at that point um and then you know did our thing in huntington had, had a nice lunch and everything and then we went and visited family yeah but uh actually just earlier today we did um remember the world i think it's called um, out near Fontana. Okay. It's like a 7,000-foot elevation change. Oh, wow. And uh, some pretty good, like, mountainous road. And actually, the locals were really great. They, they actually kept up a brisk <laughs> pace. Yeah. A, and B, they pulled over if you were quicker. Nice. Oh, wow. Um, I mean, there were some uh, that, w- whereas Tulane, I was passing them slowly, and I was getting tire spill. so i was i was duly impressed with the locals yeah yeah you know
0: it's it's one of those things like there's a lot of people that come to california that just don't ever participate and and see the roads you know because there's so much to see like in la and in san francisco that unless you actually get out of town you don't even realize that there's tons of great roads that you could hit just you know within 30 minutes of downtown los angeles yeah so there's a
1: beautiful diversity of uh of land here. I mean, from the ocean to the mountains and um, everything in between. Yeah. I mean, I guess that's part of the appeal of living out here is that <laughs> you can go surfing and skiing in the same day. Yeah. Uh, uh, being neither
0: be, a, a surfer nor a skier doesn't yeah. really apply to me. But
3: <laughs>
0: Yeah, we actually, um, the other day when my dad was in town, we actually drove up to off the Los Angeles Crest Highway. Uh, you could actually go up to like Mount Wilson. I mm-hmm. don't know if you've ever been up there, but you mm-hmm. can actually see all of the whole like greater Los Angeles area like all the way down like past Irvine and Laguna Beach and all the way up like pretty much to Malibu almost you can see everything now we tried to go to the I think it's Griffith Observatory oh yeah Mm -hmm. and
1: it was on Sunday and it was coming off of don't uh, try spring break (laughs) and we got most of the way up there enough that we could see some views and really unfortunate because it's such an iconic you know, yeah. viewpoint, yeah. but uh, you know, we had to kind of give up on that. But there was some good road up there for sure. On, yeah. a, on a less busy time of the year, um, it seems like that would be a very worthwhile oh, absolutely. Uh, drive to, to hit.
2: Yeah. Well, there's even, you know not too far even from where we're at now, there's a road a canyon called Carbon Canyon. Okay. Um, on your guys' way out. Yeah, it's, check it's, it out. It's worth doing.
0: Okay. Uh, You'll have to uh I'll have to keep that in mind. Nice. I'm in town uh, pretty much through the Long Beach Grand Prix, so like another week and a half. Nice, so nice. <laughs> it yeah. should be should be pretty time? nice. And, and I
1: think I just mentioned uh earlier that, that we went to uh the Formula E race. Yeah, yeah, how was that? Um yeah, so Christina and I went with uh a friend of her hers invited us and uh you know it was it was mostly good. Um the unfortunate reality is that right now nobody really goes to these races. Yeah. And you know, the, the oral experience is not there. You don't have you know, the ear-piercing noise of you know, beautiful engines. Um, you, you hear gear whine and motor whine, and, and that's about it. And some cars are shifting, and some cars are not. Um, but what was great was the access. I mean, we had a lineup of some of the world's greatest drivers. Um
0: yeah, like who, who drives in Formula E?
1: Okay, now you're gonna test my memory here. Um,
0: <laughs> is, it, is it names that we would recognize? Yeah, though? you would. Okay. I mean, if okay. you followed
1: Formula One, yeah. um, or even you know, uh, folks coming up, guys and girls um, coming up through sports cars, um, but it's mostly like it's mostly ex Formula One racers. Really? Yeah. So, um, so it's, it's mostly names that you know. I mean, the the big pitch that they had was Senna versus Prost. Hmm. So Ellen's son. Um, Nico Prost and um, Bruno Senna are both running, huh. and so yeah, you know, they try to make a big thing of this of you know re- reliving this rivalry, and you know, of course they're different people. But it's it's great that you recognize the names and you've got people to cheer for, and they're trying to interact with uh, or engage the community, and they've got this fan boost where you can vote for a, your favorite driver and give them a boost of power a couple times a race or something. Huh. Um, but what was cool about it was. Um, the access to the drivers we had a lineup of the entire the entire driver lineup and we stood in line for not very long And got every signature we wanted. Wow. I bought it Christina hat and told her who to get the signatures from <laughs> and uh, and she got them all and um, And uh, actually we were, we were lu- cherry for uh, Lucas Degrassi because uh, my godson's name is Lucas and I'm a general fan I feel like he's a good good guy a uh, good racer, and uh, sure enough, he uh, he won the race, and um, so somebody was saying that we should put her hat in a in a glass case somewhere. But <laughs> um, you yeah, know, it was cool. We saw that, and then and then they were on a, on the simulators. You know, not ten feet from me, um, with one lucky kid who had uh, won a right to be there, and um, and there was like six or eight of them. Wow, they were all on the simulators, all racing each other, and half of these guys ended up upside down on the simulator <laughs> 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 but it's entertaining to watch anyway and, yeah um yeah, it would be, be worth checking it out if especially if it's you know within access uh you know regionally too yeah yeah oh. i just
0: i didn't even know that it was going on until like magnus walker actually posted a photo on instagram of him like in his car on the freeway being like oh going down to lbc for the you know for the formula e race i was like I thought like I thought Long Beach was like two weeks from now. Yeah,
1: yeah. So it's, everybody made that mistake. Yeah, <laughs> even
2: me, and I'm I'm a local.
0: Yeah, <laughs>
1: yeah. Farm really, ease, uh, uh schedule a little bit different. They pack everything into one day: practice, qual, and race, all in one day, so they minimize the impact on the the cities that they go visit. Yeah. So um, funny, as small as you know the area was there, I didn't see Magnus. He's a pretty standout guy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he actually he
0: was at uh, Porsche headquarters a couple weeks ago, okay. and like. A lot of people didn't quite know who he was. Um some of the people that were in were, you know, work at dealerships and stuff and kind of aren't as in tune to uh, Porsche the culture, like the and, lifestyle yeah. side of it. So yeah. Um, but yeah, he was getting some weird looks for some people. It was like, Who let this homeless guy in here, you know? <laughs> but, <laughs> so it's kinda kinda funny, but it was great to have him there and, and have him checking everything out. Yeah. But so for for Spec E thirty, I mean, have you been racing a lot recently, or you've been focusing more on coaching now? Um, so it, it's uh, it's been an ebb and flow. Um, Two thousand thirteen, uh, I didn't
1: have my car right where it needed to be. Uh, it brought Atlanta, um, and uh, Sandra Espinosa pulled off an epic win. He's been he's been on fire. He's been on lately. fire, yeah, yeah. The past, yeah. It's been and he's just such a you know treat to watch. Right. Yeah, did you see yeah, they're building a
0: car for his son now too?
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. I saw that, so. <laughs> um, and then uh, this past year, um, I I ran the one lap, uh, one lap of America last year with uh, Toyota while I was still working there in a uh, in a Turbo FRS that uh, oh, Toyota nice. built, and that and that that was my life for a good six weeks. Um, six weeks that took away from um, hitting some of the regional races that I needed to uh, um, to qualify to go to the East Coast Championship. And um, and then I had a job change and a move and um, tell Andrew all about the the house, uh, oh, which yeah. is another story that's not for this podcast. <laughs> um, and uh, you know I I only did uh, one race last year, which was really to prove out that some of the um, improvements I had made to the car to correct um, what I what was going on the previous year um, had been effective. And in fact, I reset the long standing. Uh, uh, Track record on the club course at Mid Ohio, um, in that configuration. So, to me, I'd say confirmed. Yeah. Um, so I think the car is ready to go. I did some safety improvements over the winter. I had uh, Kevin Crease at uh, DTR Performance in, uh, in Florence, Kentucky, uh, modify my cage, add NASCAR bars, um, and so. Did I'm, you
0: add the uh, the brace for the tunnel too? that some of the guys do for the the cages across the bottom yeah like yeah, it goes the floorboard
1: it's, it's not a it's not adding a uh, an attachment point right um but it was a point at which we needed to attach the NASCAR bars um actually he did a really cool thing of integrating uh, the back of the x that I had there um with the NASCAR bars it's not something i could even explain to you the geometry of it but um, but it came out really well and uh I'm, I'm gonna feel a lot safer i'm gonna have a lot more elbow room hmm. um, and really what prompted me was um i've been racing the car with just x-bars in um which is was a great cage it's just it just had x-bars uh when i bought it and uh i'd always been thinking about it and um last october um i was racing at uh with aER or american endurance racing at mid ohio um uh some of the road
0: and track guys were there too
1: yeah, actually, you know, I was trying to. So there was a road and track, Jalopnik head to head in in Spec e thirties, and actually I was working with the Jalopnik guys trying to get them up to speed because they didn't yeah. have quite the experience that the uh, road track guys did. Um, and but unfortunately, um, there was a little bit of an incident, uh, spin onto the front straight and a T-bone into the Spec thirty, and um, there was and the 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 cage moved it moved about three to four inches
0: really yeah wow um,
1: which was a little a little frightening um i'm trying to think I, i'm trying to think It was driving i don't i can't remember if it was jason Truchinski or one of the other guys now but um in any case i looked at that and you know that three to four inches would have been into his body had it not had nascar bars and so that combined with the fact that i was i'm planning on you know running a more of a full season this year um i i decided it was time to go ahead and, and improve the safety of uh my cage so
0: yeah it's always a safe bet literally a safe bet yeah to improve on safety
1: yeah yeah so my plan for this year is um i'm doing coaching i've got a, a ride with um in with uh, rooster hall racing in the american endurance racing series okay and uh so we're gonna be running an e- e 36 m3 um these guys are a couple of uh, BMW club racers uh, family team and uh they've got big plans ahead and this is a stepping stone for them that's uh i think it'll launch, launch them into some uh a promising future there's uh, i can't really say a whole lot but it's gonna be exciting so um they're really good great people um it's like part of the family like being part of the family and uh so looking forward to that, and um, and then running the Spec E thirty, um, got plans to run the regional races that I need to to run for the East Coast Championship at my home track of Watkins Glen. Yeah, there you go, man. Um, <laughs> I I have more laughs bit Ohio at this point, but uh, Watkins Glen is home. Being from Rochester, New York, uh, it was an hour and a half away. Um, uh, Scott Barden will remember uh, getting there in a lot shorter time uh, once in the <laughs> in the wee hours of the morning, but. Um, it's, uh, it's a great track, and they just repaved it. So yeah. we're actually going to be the first race on it with AER um, here in April. I think it's 21st, 22nd, 23rd. Okay. Um, so new surface, uh, you know, everybody's excited. Is it going to be grippier? Yeah. Is it going to be faster? Um, what what are going to be the new idiosyncrasies of the track? Um, I'm sure uh, the braking zones are going to be a little bit smoother. Um, and we'll have to see. Their, I don't know if – I don't think they're leaving the concrete in the apexes, so – you know, concrete's generally grippier in the dry at least so it's kind of a toss-up whether um the new asphalt's going to be grippier enough to make up for the lack of the concrete in the, in the corners or in the um, yeah in the corners
0: i'm really looking forward to it i, I i'm really want to see how many cars show up for spec e too, because i think they just broke the record down at NASA yeah. Southeast this last event. Thirty-five, 35 cars, cars, yeah. For a regional race. <laughs> <laughs> Although I think was that a? I think it was two or three regions that were kind of
1: Not even cross so. a single still regional 35, race. Thirty-five, yeah. Amazing. I, we uh, we we were, I think forty or so, or maybe even over forty cars at the last East Coast Championship that I attended. Um, so the fields are big. Uh, I'm I'm actually trying to convince my co-workers to get a spec e oh, yeah? and, and bolster the great lakes region <laughs> and uh they're they're not turning away from the idea so yeah. uh we'll see if we can bolster our region up a little bit and get some nice what i nice always love
0: like going to events in the great lakes region uh was just seeing the spec e30 guys always like paddicking together and just yeah. having a good time like it became it seemed like a that social group yeah too.
1: you know it's a big asset to the community i mean I don't know. That's just the Spec E30 community, but the E30 community in general, or maybe you can even say the BMW community. And every car and make and model, you know, has this kind of thing to an extent. But it really feels strong in the Spec E30 community. You know, we all we all paddock together. We're all eating lunch together. Um, we're all helping each other, um, and we all respect each other greatly on the track. Yeah. And I know that I can trust the guys that i'm racing with and um you know, back in 2012 you see that um you know there's a lot of great lakes guys at the front of the field and n- none of the marks that i have on my car come from great lakes guys you know? <laughs> and that's I, I can't i can't blame the other guys you know um specky 30 is close and generally very clean overall mm. i think you know what I'm commenting on the Great Lakes region, um, extends to the community and as mm-hmm. a whole. Um, but when you're coming to, a, going to a new region, the desperation is a little bit higher and you don't quite know the limitations of, you know, offline that, that you do at a, at a home track. And i found that, um, I went to NGMP a couple of years ago and, um, you know, I was quick enough on my own to set pole for the second race. Um, but, but I got out outraced. I was new to the track, um, at least in E 30 and, I was not as uh, as refined offline as the local guys were, and yeah. knowing you know just how much you can carry um, offline and, and where you can make a pass and where it's not going to stick. And, and that's where that seat time
0: before. really makes makes a big difference. Absolutely. Absolutely. So. so, and you have to you have to know what it's like. So you can't always be out there, always driving online. Yep. You know, like you got to go out and try out different lines. Yep. So, yep. And there's, I mean, to an ex- at some point, you just have to be out there
1: with other cars, you know, yeah. racing. And there's nothing like a spec a spec series to develop you in your racecraft. Yeah. And and you know, nothing will punish you uh, for um, you know being late on the throttle or missing an apex or being late on the brakes or early for that matter than a spec series in a low horsepower class where you can't make up for it.
0: Yeah. What What originally drew you to Spec E thirty?
1: Um. Well. You know, I would advise people differently now than what you know I necessarily did at that time. Um, I was pretty focused on getting into a BMW because I liked the mark. Um, I ended up with an E30 that was built for BMW Club Racing's K-Prepared class, and that's where I went to race it. I would not advise buying a car and then going to race it. I would advise finding the class that you want to race in and then going and either purchasing or building a car to race in that class competitively. Um, but... You know, hindsight's twenty twenty, and I've learned a lot over the years. So um, I bought that car, raced it for two years at BMW Club, had some great battles. Um, and John Negus uh, of uh, Bimmer one in, and in, uh, the Akron area, he, he was my nemesis and also best friend, you know, in, in the series. And we had some, some epic battles, and it was just great. It was almost like a spec series between the two of us. And I was very, very fortunate to have that. Um, I had a lot of growing pains in those first couple of years as well. And, um, I, I didn't have a formal, um, club racing school that you have now. I didn't have a private coach like you can, like is so much more prevalent now. Mm-hmm. Um, I could have saved myself, um, a lot of heartache over the first couple of years, you know, um, had I taken advantage of some of the resources that, that are now very you know, prevalent. Um, but I ran, um, I ran hard BMW club. I was, I, I mentioned before being half a lap away from a championship in 2008, um, when the motor let go and um and uh i wasn't able to recover from that uh but i knew that i wanted competition and so i i uh, i saw the spec e30 class was made aware of that and um and saw how i can convert the car i was actually slowing down the car to go to spec e30 but um was fortunately smart enough at that point to recognize the benefit in uh, in the close competition over the speed itself yeah and um that's what I did, and um, haven't really looked back as far as my own car. I mean, it's, it's something that I can afford, um, and the, the competition's always there, and the community's there. So it's it's a great series racer.
0: Yeah. So you think you'll uh, you keep running Spec E30 for the foreseeable future?
1: I, I think for my own personal car, I have no reason to switch. Yeah. Um, I have, um, I've been fortunate to have a uh, you know, great opportunity with, um, with some other teams and uh, other folks. Um, driving some other other series, you know, whether it be one lap or endurance racing, and just the, and the coaching gets me out in a lot of other stuff, and I'm always looking for that, you know, for that uh, opportunity <laughs> yeah. uh, to go Continental World Challenge or yeah. what have you. Um, and I always have you know something that I'm trying to make uh, make work. But um, talk, to mean, Ralph, man, the, talk to Ralph, man. Talk to Ralph. Oh, we'd we'd love to do something on the corporate <laughs> yeah. level, um, but uh, it's it's a tall order. Um, but you know, not something I'll. Ever give up trying on? Yeah. So, I mean, I, I always felt it was miraculous that we got a one lap uh, program developed in, in Toyota, <laughs> and um, you know, we did so much in such a short period of time. It was, it was really amazing. Um, and uh, if, we can, if we can have the opportunity again to do it with uh, with FCA, um, I'd love to. You know. I've got cars picked out. <laughs> yeah. I've got it all planned out, you know? Yeah, it's I only started in August, so it's uh, it's a little early to be proposing that kind of thing, but um yeah, you know, the um, there's a lot of passion in the company that I can, I can see they participated before. Yeah. Know, um, they were even participating last year and um, and they'd like to again. So, um,
0: like back in the happen. day there was spec neon. You <laughs> oh, know, man. I think if you did like man. spec like A-bar stuff now, It'd be kind of cool, right? Yeah, yeah.
1: You know, I got my my eye on a on a yeah one twenty four RBRS. Yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll see. Um, but then, oh man, that fastback um, MX five. I wonder if,
0: I just, I wonder I wonder if you can make two. it. I wonder if you can make it fit. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if you can make it work. Mechanical, you know, mechanical should transfer over. Yeah. Huh? Oh, That'd be kind of interesting. it would be kind interesting. Uh, <laughs> scratching my beard here. <laughs> so. so it does because they only release that like. A, Maybe two or three weeks ago, um, but I always thought it looked yeah, really cool. And then the the roll the back window rolls down, I think too, it's so it's like a Del Sol. Yeah. So it's, uh, I think maybe not for a race car, but for you know just a daily driver or something. Yeah. Be fun. Oh,
1: I've I've found um, you know my limitation of you know what I what I can tolerate for a street car versus for track prowess. <laughs> you know, I had enough for I had like the yeah, first I almost was bought it for you remember? Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's we were right. Talking we we're talking about, about it. There, yeah. yeah. And uh, it was the cheapest FRS for us on the market, but it was it also had twenty five thousand miles in eight months yeah. of production, you know. Basically. Which is actually
0: what I, I think I actually put like twenty thousand on mine in eight uh, months. Uh, so I should have uh, just uh, buy yours anyway. <laughs> Ended up yeah. losing the motor at Roebling, so really, yeah, wow. I was running the tune E eighty five. Yeah, well, we were we we're pushing the limits a little bit. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's it's got, I think it still has the NASA TTD track record at Gingerman, even on the old pavement. So the year after that, they actually docked it hundred and ten points. Because I went and reset a track record pretty low, and so did John Miller um, down at Sebring. Okay. So... So
1: the FRS, like, as a whole... Or, sorry, yeah, the FRS at a whole just got... 110 gone.
0: points. 110 points added after the wow. 2013 season.
1: Well, I <laughs> guess that's a uh, balance of performance for you. Yeah. <laughs>
0: so those were fun cars, though, too. Yeah, absolutely. So. I just...
1: You know, in the twenty-five thousand miles in eight months, you can imagine to put that kind of mileage on Yeah, a if you're car, doing mostly highway, that's entirely. not really the best car yeah. for that. And it's like for all the reasons that made it a great sports car, and you know, great in the twisties was what just made it brutal and uncomfortable and on on the highway, and it yeah. just you know, didn't have the torque to really make it good. And Andrew and I were talking earlier about uh, Christina has a one twenty-eight. Um, Manual. M Sport? Uh, no, actually, <laughs> it's a non sport, but it was such a beautiful car the performance pack and uh, Alpine White on the coral red leather, real leather. So it's a
0: perfect color combo. With
1: BMW performance intake and exhaust. Like, who built this car? <laughs> and it was driven like 4,000 miles a year and impeccably maintained. I can only imagine that the guy or the owner, which I believe was a guy based on the records, uh, was too large for the sports seats. Okay. I've since updated it with uh, sports suspension, and... Um, Did you
0: do the bumper yet? Front bumper? No. No? It's, a, it's, a, it's ah. fine. It's
1: fine. You know? <laughs>
3: um,
1: yeah, she'll tell you that the car's too nice anyway. Yeah. So uh, we had to buy a beater for the winter, you know, go figure. <laughs> but, uh, and of course, it had to be another BMW. It only makes sense. Economies of scale. <laughs> I've got all the right tools and the oils and everything else. So, um, but uh, working on her to uh, maybe do a track day this year. But anyway, the point was... I really found that to be like a more ideal balance. When mm-hmm. you when you want to hit the the curves and the corners, the car's there. It'll respond. I mean, it rotates well with the short <laughs> wheelbase, um, which may not translate so well on the track. Uh, I'll get to, into one M's in, in a little while, but um, <laughs> but it's just such a good balance. It's still really comfortable. Um, it's quiet, relatively speaking. Um, that's, I think, where I would find a better, you know, daily driver slash performance or twisty car balance. If you're not, if you're not into something with, you know, gobs of power.
0: Yeah. Well, if you like that, man, you should try out a modified 2014 Jetta Sportwagon. <laughs> TDI. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Can I plug in that little OBD2 uh, oh, device that Oh uh, yeah, try to, to reflash it? it. <laughs> no, I, I'm
0: pretty sure it would die on the spot. It'd be like, no, this car cannot run anymore. It yeah, believe yeah. it's pollutes too much. So. But another thing that you uh, you got to do with BMWs that I just thought about uh, was, are you faster than a redneck? Kind of oh, semi-famous, that up, kind it of up, semi-famous yeah. man. Yeah, you
1: know, I thought I was gonna. The- I was gonna be able to evade that reputation, or anybody knowing me for that at the new job for at least a year. It didn't last a day. No, <laughs> not day like, one. I know you. Day one.
2: <laughs> That's hilarious. What's funny is you know we talk on a regular basis. He didn't mention a thing.
1: <laughs> it's not something that <laughs> he I didn't bring up like <laughs> a
2: casual conversation. You know?
1: It's a thing that occurred, that happened. You know. Um, I, I guess, I don't know, should we fill people in? Yeah, uh, sure. <laughs> you know, Are You Passing into the Redneck was a show that was on the Speed Channel right before, as it was transitioning to Fox Sports. And uh, the premise was you got these uh, good old boys in their American muscle and these import tuners, as John Reap would call them, uh, <laughs> that were coming to, uh, to challenge the, the rednecks. Um, and with these guys, these guys are all free. Actually, like pro touring guys. Yeah, um, they're pretty, these, pretty
0: decent drivers. Yeah,
1: my and the cars were ridiculous. Um, yeah. I, my my friend who was there supported me, uh, Chase Nelson. He he uh, he coined the term million dollar rednecks. <laughs> 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 these guys are there as down to earth as you and I um, in reality, but they had some very well prepared cars. Um, I was using uh, an E46 M3. It was uh, a basic track pap- prep, um, you know, coilovers and. Um, uh, just, you know, safety equipment, and uh, very mild um, yeah, bolt-on engine stuff. Um, and uh, we found out two weeks in advance that we needed, that we had to run, like, legitimate street tires. Um, and the, I had just finished, um, actually Nate and I had just had taken the car up to mid-Ohio and done um, some setup work on it on uh, BFGR1s. With the plan for future aero, which, so now we had a car that was set up for, you know, great our comps and future aero, and now it was running street tires without that aero. <laughs> um, needless to say, it was overly stiff. Yeah. And uh, and I was, you know, starting the day with um, uh, scrubbing the mold release off, off the tires. Um, regardless, um, I'm proud to say I was the, the quickest of the imports there. Um, I was up, up with the GTR in the episode that, um, uh, Jeremy Roar's in the GTR. Um, and he had a well-built car, and I, I think by the end of um, his last race, he, he might have uh, gotten that thing dialed in to be a little bit quicker. But um, uh, but he and I uh, were in the, that episode uh, going against the rednecks. And um, in my in my race uh, with Yancy Johns in uh, what I hear was an 800 horsepower uh, Camaro, like a more cur- a more modern one. Um, I had one lap. It was a one-lap race, and I was starting on the outside. Um, I outbraked him, cleared him under braking, turned in towards the apex, leaving him uh, just enough room to leave his tires on the pavement. And um, he had outbraked himself and uh, ended up in my door. Yeah. Um, And uh, he was... Displeased, of course, I'm I'm telling my version of the story, but this is as I've come to believe it after wa- reviewing all the video We're gonna have him like on that. in a couple
0: weeks. <laughs> <All> right, no, <laughs> no I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I don't even know him
1: <laughs> uh, In any case, um, I was being interviewed uh, as I came off the track. I had a camera in my face I had a halo seat. I couldn't see anything um, just got my helmet off and John Reed was uh, interviewing me and then um, He camera pulled away and next thing I know, an arm was in the car slapping me across the face. And there was a good, I don't know, three camera angles to capture this. I would, i literally had no idea what just happened, why it happened, or anything like that. But the camera was done rolling, and I was supposed to go to the next spot. I roll, and um, yeah, that was—that was unfortunate. Um, Reality TV
0: drama, man. I,
1: yeah, I was very hesitant. <laughs> I was—I mean, it's not in my nature to uh, grow to physical anger anyway. Um, I'm not of the biggest stature anyway, um, but I'll stand up for myself. So, um, I mean, they had a zero tolerance policy for, for any physical occupation, but, um, but the primary driver for me was that I knew enough from racing to know that I did not fully know what happened on the track. I believe that I cleared him under braking and I had the right quote unquote to the corner. Um, and i believe that i i I'd, I'd sensed him actually creep in um after you after i kind of uh, gone past him under braking, like he had released off the brake to come back in but he was in my blind spot and uh in any case i uh i didn't want to speak and then be later you know kind of uh, proven wrong yeah i felt like that was a, a bigger impact on me personally and professionally than uh uh, than just standing up to, yeah. you know, somebody who kind of made a bullshit move slap at me, you know, so, um, so I kept it to myself, and, um, if, if you want to see the general population's opinion of what happened, you can go read the YouTube comments, Yeah, um, and it's, it's not pleasing for him, and I hope he's, he's not reading them, and, and actually, you know, he, he, uh, he reached out to me a couple hours before the show aired, and, uh, uh, yeah, I remember very, seeing that
0: on Facebook. Like, yeah, he was, I think he you was said very, something.
1: very civil. Actually, yeah. apologized for the and so that really wasn't him. Um, he was he was speaking to or he was reacting to. The um, producers told was, me but, to
0: do it. Yeah, it might have been something like that,
1: you know. Um, so I don't. At this point, it's a thing that yeah. happened and it's in our past. And I don't have the ten grand that, to help fix the car. Uh, that came out of my pocket, but uh, it is what it is. It's yeah. a thing. <laughs> That's how I sum it up. <laughs> I had actually oh.
0: forgotten about it until just now. No, so. oh, well, I'm, I'm <laughs> not sorry to put you, to put you, you on the but Okay, <laughs> I can cut that out. No, no worries at all. <laughs> so. Well, Andrew, tell me a little bit about what you guys have coming down. Uh, you know that you're you're working on there at Ireland. What's in the pipeline? Any, yeah, <laughs> anything, anything exciting uh, that you uh, can don't talk about? And
1: don't pull the OEM line of I cannot speak to future pro- future product.
2: <laughs> well, we're uh, going to go race some rednecks. No I, um, no, I honestly every day it's a little bit different. So. <laughs> um, I, I'm sorry, I got cut up on Anthony's you know, riveting story. And, uh, can you compete with uh, getting slap by right now? I, I honestly can't. I was, I was envisioning that and you know, knowing Anthony. That's that's something I can't... <laughs> it's, uh, it's a little entertaining. <laughs> um, that's right, I'll be
0: sure to get the clip and just loop it. Yeah, that's, oh, that'd God. be great. I wouldn't be the first one.
2: Actually, when I get home tonight, I'm going to uh, have to look that up. So, <laughs> that part of it. Anyways, so... yeah. Uh, things are going well we just um you know we're looking at some of the newer cars but newer to us is it's older than 25 years <laughs> so uh so now
0: it's like e36s yeah yeah E36es those are the hot new things
2: yeah e36 e46s that's that's new tech yeah you know, that's
0: yeah especially that's, uh, um you know i don't know if you guys have done anything with e46s yet but that that new spec e46 class looks like it's Growing a decent amount, there that might be
2: opportunities there. Looks for you. interesting, actually. Yeah. I have a couple of customers who have uh, expressed interest. Yeah. and uh, Actually, I some have... of the
0: NorCal guys we were talking to, um, you know, pretty much like almost exclusively. There's one shop up there. BTA. All, the, all the E46 at uh, Control Engineering. Oh. Okay. Um, all yeah. the E46s that they built, they built like seven or eight now. Mm-hmm. Are solely for people moving from Spec E thirty into Spec E forty six.
2: I'm seeing guys do so, it, and I'm glad Anthony's still doing the Spec E yeah, thirty okay. <laughs> But uh, Spec E forty six seems like it's a good fit.
1: Yeah, I mean, people can't have any delusions that that platform is much more expensive to run. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, you're talking pretty much double to prepare and you know run that car. Yeah, right. and you know, so for my you know budget point, um, the competition is there in Spec E thirty. I've I've worked uh, with some spec E46s and um, the the platform is still being developed. It's not fully understood. Yeah, I mean, it's only what? They've only
0: been through the first season, really. This is the beginning of the second season. Yeah,
1: and and some of the knobs... I've been through the same thing with spec E36 with BMW Club where the initial um, package, the spec package, didn't really work well. Hmm. I mean, the the spec E36s, for instance, were um, brutal to drive. They're They're like 911s. Um, and for guys that are trying to get into racing, they think Specy Specky 36 is a great place to start, you know, relatively low power, you know, it's a good basic platform, and then it just, um, it just isn't as easy to drive on the edge, the, the threshold is, um, at the limit it was very tight, and the huh. penalty for, you know, first 10 degrees or so of slip, if that, were manageable, and then you get past that and the car wants to loop. Really? Mm-hmm and that's how it was and then i worked with them um is that from like a
0: suspension geometry standpoint that's just the way those cars are inherently i
1: think it was largely the shock the rear shock tuning okay um how it reacted with the um with those particular tires they were running they were running a very grippy bfg r1 like a 245 and um and the rates were not not Driving, um, I don't have a more scientific explanation at you know from the from the engagement I've had with it, but um, could subjectively feel that. And um, if you if you are you're really top driver, you can get a lot of speed out of those cars. Um, uh, I mean, I i would set at least one or two track records in them, I think, in being felt anyway, um, and. But for the vast majority of drivers, it was very difficult to drive. Then I worked with them um, to evaluate the uh, the Toyo RR. Um, mm-hmm. This was about a year and a half ago. And when I drove it, it was so much easier to drive quickly and so much more balanced. It just felt like it was made the, the, for the this car. This is the
0: Spec E forty six. No, or the no. Spec E thirty six with BMW. Plan, oh, they yeah. were running. They run Toyos too.
1: They were running the BFG R one. Okay. And then they were trying the Toyo RR. Okay. And it was so much more balanced um, with the car and the, and the shock tuning, which is not adjustable. Um, while I could go a little bit quicker, like a half second or so quicker in the, with the R1s, um, I speculated that 90% of the spec E36 drivers were gonna go quicker on the RR, and it, it quickly proved out. And they adopted the tire the okay. next year, and everybody was dropping lap times by seconds. And it was just—it was just so much easier, easier so much drive. more approachable. Yeah, um, yeah. It was—it was, a, it was a more balanced car, and it was a great thing. Um, and it's turned into what I would say is a is a go-to car, um, or go, go-to series as well. And uh, Spec E46—they um, haven't—they don't have the cars figured out quite yet. I've—I've um, I've only done like a session of you know, driving, come in, turn some knobs, go back out, come back, no more knobs, and um, the car. That I was, that I was, in, uh,
0: I didn't get there.
1: Yeah. That way, in that, in that session, and so they need some more time, um, some more testing, and, and they'll they will they will develop community knowledge of this is what you do, this is what you don't do, and then this is how you tune for the particular tracks. Yeah. And um, it, you know, some people just thrive on that development process, and others don't really want to touch the cars. And if they you just really want to, go want to focus on the racing, <laughs> yeah, you know the Spec thirty. Most of the the tuning knobs are pretty well known. And if you don't know them, just go talk to the guy the paddock next <laughs> to you. He's going to tell you what to do and what not to do. As long as you're not beating call, him,
0: right? <laughs> uh,
1: you know <laughs> what? The, the community is pretty pretty loose like that. Yeah. You know, call call Andrew. He'll tell you you know what to buy, what to put on the car. And if he's not um, if he's not sure about a tuning aspect, he'll refer the person to me. Yep. Uh, and you know we've got the cars pretty well figured out. So if you want to race, and uh, you know especially if you don't want to spend a ton of money that's a great place there's an ask for every seat yeah, yeah. you know <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> now do you do a lot of coaching outside of the BMW platform at all um I am not tied to the BMW platform I just yeah. happen to be tied with the community yeah um, so that's just where majority of the business yeah, comes I mean, yeah, yeah I've, I've
1: coached uh, Porsche guys okay um, uh, Mazda Toyota uh, you know what have you yeah um, anybody that wants to go quick okay um so I'm I'm one of the facilitators of the BMW CCA Club Racing Schools, which I firmly believe is um, probably the best club racing school in the country. Um, American Endurance Racing is uses them as their preferred method now, for uh, you know, proving out drivers. I remember because I was
0: talking to Jason Kohler about doing BMW CCA Comp School, yep. and did I hear right that you don't have to have a or at one point you didn't have to have a fully caged car to, com, to complete correct. Comp School? Yeah, uh, okay. comp school, you don't have to have okay. a race car. You so unlike with that. NASA and stuff like that, where yeah. you have to have, you know, it essentially has to have fast CCR for right. wheel-to-wheel racing. Right, right, right. With BMW CCA, you don't. That's correct. Yeah, you, you, you I think bring... a lot of people don't know that. So yeah. yeah, so you can come with
1: whatever you've got at that time. If you're building your car over the winter, but you've got whatever you have right now. Um, and there's a lot of companies that rent cars, too, so let's not forget that if you do yeah. want a race car. Yeah. Um, but, you know... Contact is not allowed at all. I mean, it, it is a failure point for a student in, yeah. in a comp school. Um, but that shouldn't be a, something to scare um, potential students um, because the program progresses the students through the skill set so that they should never encounter a touch with another card. Right. You know, and, they, and it really prepares them well uh, for that first race. And there's a there's a significant gap between the bigger than people realize between the driving school, even at the advanced level and even at the time trials to wheel to wheel racing. Right. And, you know, if you get into some open passing stuff, you'll get a little bit of experience. And, and I would encourage people, even before they take a club re, uh, a club racing school to to experience um, a, a club that allows passing open in passing. the corners. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and approach it responsibly, that you are not challenging another car for a corner, but you are practicing uh, driving offline and, pa- and passing and being passed offline. And that's, uh, that'll really help the transition to club racing, because you'll understand how to adjust um, your speed and your inputs to the car when you're offline and in these different scenarios. And, and then what, when you come to a club racing school, you'll learn how to deal with cars around you and how to respond to them and um, what to worry about, what not to worry about, because you're going to be over. Any new student's going um, <laughs> uh, oh, <laughs> to um, uh, be overwhelmed with with Healing Just came on. Sorry, sorry. You're going to be overwhelmed with with all these new uh, things going on around you. New noises. Um, you're driving offline, uh, Really having to get all, everything out of your car all the time right um, you can't take a break anymore so
0: <laughs> you can't be like oh, I'm tired I'm gonna pull in yeah I'm gonna cool down <laughs> my
1: brakes you know that'll be fine uh, no it, you're on it so yeah. um, your mental capacity is very taxed and so we, we step the students through um, different exercises that that allow the, the new skills to be ingrained and so that you can you can commit the, the each new skill basically to um, you know to pass a memory or to um, you know, your subconscious, mm-hmm. and so it frees up some of your conscious um, uh, brain power to focusing on other things like, how am I going to get past this guy? You're playing the chess match yeah. at that time. Um, or I'm, dealing with your car, setup up issues, and or I know, talking I've, on the radio.
0: I've seen it a lot that, you know, a lot of people, in my opinion, they'll go, they'll jump to comp school and start getting into wheel to wheel before they're really even ready. Uh, You know, and then they end up being a back marker and then it stops being fun, you know, because they can never build up that speed, because really wheel-to-wheel isn't really like a conducive environment to learning kind of the more basics. You know, you can fine-tune stuff lap after lap, but learning how to go fast in a wheel-to-wheel setting, you know, without knowing how to go fast beforehand, it seems like it'd be pretty difficult. They're doing a
1: disservice to themselves by doing that. And I I commented on this for myself back when I was uh, going from being a uh, driving school student to being a racer, and what typically happens, what oftentimes happens, is that people run out of good input to to get. You know, you're, you you yeah. catch up with the instructors at your at your organization, and there's a lot of great instructors out there. Um, but what I found was that I was I was always getting the most from instructors who had race experience, right? And they just had a, a larger wealth of experience to pull from. They'd been in you know different scenarios, and they understood you know the limitations of, um, or they understood the limits better.
3: And so I was requesting racers, yeah. and and to that point, I was
1: I was at that point where I could start instructing at the driving school level, but I chose not to until I had race experience, and those happened happen actually occur basically at the same time, like the same weekend, but um, uh, but it went on from there, and I. I thought that it was always a, a good service to um, my students when I was instructing driving schools. And then it, it evolved into um, people requesting me and th- to be their instructor. And then when I wasn't going to an event, it was like, well, I'm not going, but I could, you know, if, for this compensation, you know? Yeah. And and then it's, it's grown into demand. And I, and I don't even, I don't publicize myself. It's all word of mouth. Um, but um, I generally um, work with advanced uh, driving school level uh, students who are um, either looking to become just better. I've had instructors who just want to be better instructors, which I I so greatly respect that they're putting out their own money to just better themselves for their students. Right. Um, up to um, you know club racers who are looking to go pro. And I've, I've got um, a driver with the uh, World right now. I've worked with for a few years. Um, who's running St. Uh, Jerry Kaufman and um and the guys i'm working with now we've got uh in, with rooster hall racing the brown family they're they're looking at doing uh some bigger things in the future so okay um it's everything from you know the advanced driving school level up to uh you know pro and and if you think about it you know you could be a really good driver you know you could be setting track records even and you can you can learn i mean i'm learning every day yeah um i'm out here at an oem um capacity and i'm learning different things that i'm than i'm used to and you gotta set the ego aside and uh and open yourself up to learn something and and you'll find it um look at teammates in in you know, professional racing mm-hmm. you know one is i'll give you a great example okay so one is is faster than another in one area and another is faster than another in another uh, James Clay and I were at NJMP in... Uh, James Clay, Beamer of Yeah, Beamer World. Uh, yeah, Beamer World. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And um, in uh, uh, E90 of, um, of Coppens. And uh, we we took the car out separately, and we set lap times within 50 thousandths of a second of each other. <laughs> <laughs> and, but if you looked at the time delta between us, it varied by
0: over a second. In different parts of the in track? In different parts of the track. Wow. Yeah.
1: And... Um, I don't know how much experience he had at that track. I didn't have very much, and I assume it was the same for him. But he was doing something that I wasn't doing, and I was doing something he wasn't doing. And when I put what he was doing attached it to what I was doing, like, I dropped a second, like, immediately. Wow. And even more as, as time went on. It was, yeah. And it's amazing. So, you know, two quick guys, or girls, you know, um, can make each other faster just by really digging deep into... Um, at that point, it's really data, you know, and you know to touch on that point, um, data acquisition is a you whole know, other world. But um, <laughs> what's, what's your
0: preferred right now?
1: Um, you know, for simplicity, an aim system, an AIM, aim solo, solo? Something like that oh, yeah. is so easy for any, for somebody who's getting into it to. Yeah. to and it's grab so it.
0: powerful. Most people never use the full software suite so
1: yeah. anyway. Yep. Yeah, but it really doesn't matter what you have. Get something. Uh, aim is a great one because. Um, a lot of people have it, and right. if you want to compare data, it's uh, you're going to have uh, an easy time comparing data. Um, but when I'm when I'm coaching, what I'll usually do is if I'll usually start out riding if I have the option riding with the client, and then swapping, giving um, some demo laps in the car. But if they are within like two seconds a lap of of the time that I'm able to post in their car. Um, we're generally better off looking at data. If it's greater than that, there's generally some feedback that I can be giving them in the car um, that's gonna improve them more than digging deep into those tenths of a second. Um, but when you get within two, two seconds, and especially within a second, you can't really feel those small differences from the passenger seat. Um, you don't have your hands on the wheel, uh, you're scared to death, and <laughs> you're... <laughs> It's really risky at that point. Yeah. You know, when you're edging, when you're eking out the like the last tense, it's really it's you're on the edge. You know, yeah. it's not very comfortable from. Um, you're taking risks, and it's not comfortable from uh, a coach's point of view. And you've heard the stories of you know some unfortunate things that have happened. Um, but also even the weight of being of the, the car driver is upsetting yeah. of the passenger of, of the and Yeah, is upsetting the or changing anyway the balance of the car. So from that point. I'll set you know reference lap, um, and then have the client go, you know, set their best lap. Then will work on look at data, um, look at the gaps, discuss how to address them and how to close those gaps. Have them go out and work again. If I need to get back in the car, I'll get back in the car. But you know, it's it's all client dependent. Okay. On what's working for them. Awesome. So oh, and one thing I just want to mention: if you're working with a coach or you're going to driving school, whatever, and it looks like it's going to rain, don't cringe. Jump for joy! Yeah, and get the instruction. <laughs> get
0: the instruction, especially in mid Ohio. Holy oh crap! Oh my gosh! Yeah. Oh yeah.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, and the thing is that all the all the little inputs that is are hard for a coach to pick up on when you have our compounds and an arrow to compound things, all become apparent in the when, rain. When yeah, when the track is wet. Yeah. And uh, so you know, they're it's going to help you.
0: Undoubtedly. Yeah, you know, it was some of the open track day stuff that I've done. When it's raining, not a lot of people like going out, so they'll just be like, "All right, well, it's just open track. There's no run groups anymore. Whoever wants to go out can go out." Yep. I remember going out in my Miata for like something like 50 minutes straight at one point, point. and you start realizing, like, yeah, if I just kind of let the car slide here because there's a river, and I catch it right about here, I need to have this steering angle in it already when I catch it, and. Yep you know you you end up learning a lot yeah
1: and and every especially when conditions are changing like yeah. it's it's you know starting to trickle or it's starting to dry out or it's just raining you know it's a different track like every lap yeah and you have to adapt the car to the given conditions but those the same philosophy of how you determine how fast you can make the car go goes for a track that you know like the back of your hand and that you're you think you're going as fast as you can on but yeah, one of the things that I try to ingrain in my in my clients is just the philosophy of how to make a car go fast with a given set of conditions. Yeah, the process that you go through, what you prioritize, and what you give up on, and the steps of prioritization to uh, to optimize your lap time. And it's the same thing in in the um, in changing or you know, low mu or, you know, lower friction uh, conditions like, like
0: rain. Yeah.
3: And
1: I think a lot so of people, change, too, changeable.
0: one of the, you know, you're talking about kind of changing conditions. I think a lot of people overlook the fact that, you know, sometimes if the car's not handling just right, I actually wrote an article for Ross yeah. Bentley for Speed Secrets uh, mm-hmm. Weekly um, on taking the car out. And if it's not handling just the way you want it, don't bring it in. Just stay out and, like, learn how to drive around it. Because in a race, you know, if something happens and you get bumped, the car might not quite handle right you can't come in at that point. I guess you can, if you don't want to keep battling, but absolutely. you know, so not only learning different driving conditions of, you know, of the track surface and the weather, but also how the car might, might be driving too. Yeah, so
1: absolutely. That was a big challenge that I faced this week. I was, I'm out here. Um, I've been out here for the last three days at Fontana, um, doing validation for, uh, pursuit cars for uh, challengers or ch- chargers. Sorry. Um, and these are, you know, street driven vehicles that we're confirming on the track and over the course of the session, changes in their performance occurred. And dealing with that and, pre- you know, predicting that and um, accommodating those changes and, uh, was a real struggle.
0: You mean those cars can't run for like 40 minutes on track without like any degradation between laps? I'm just kidding.
1: You know, it, they're, they are impressive. I'm gonna,
2: you know, I'm, I'm sure most of its most of its of tires
0: time. and stuff like that. Like, but just not your normal street tire. Isn't designed for that. Yeah, you're you're putting them out of their normal
1: element, but something that they they are capable of doing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you're. You Which has been evidenced by
0: very cars. many rental cars that I've had. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we could have a whole podcast on oh, rental yeah. car stories. Right? Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, well, where can people find out more about you guys?
1: Um, I mean, I'm on Facebook. I've got uh, Drive Faster Now uh, Facebook page and then drivefasternow.com. Okay. Um, but the Facebook page is probably the better place for me. Okay. Um, PM me, email me, uh, a at gmail, or um, I think it's anthony at drivefasternow.com.
2: Okay. And- and- yeah, and you can find us on the internet, uh, iemotorsport.com.
0: Okay. Awesome. Well, we really appreciate it, guys. Thank you so much for your time. I know it was very last minute, but it was great. <laughs> it, was it was fun, fun. too. On was the other fun. side of the world, on the other side of the country, <laughs> yeah,
3: <right>?
1: <laughs> <laughs> in much warmer weather than
0: I'm going to be going back to. Yeah. In Michigan. <laughs> yeah. I, didn't it snow? I think it's uh, snow. I, mean, I know it's snowed is, in
2: Chicago like yeah. this weekend. No, it was, it was, so. uh, it was so. <laughs> It might rain here tomorrow, so we're all getting oh, prepared. Geez. Oh uh, the oil's yes. coming up. God yeah. forbid. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. This, is, this is like icy
1: conditions in like, the noise. It's raining.
0: Your plane's not gonna be able to take off, man. You're not hey, gonna be able to don't fly home. Joke. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> I've got,
1: i got an eco diesel Ram to pick up tomorrow, and I go. Oh home, nice. Nice. So, yeah. <laughs> yep, that's where it's at. <laughs>
0: well, thanks so much so. for your time, guys. Hopefully, we can do it again sometime soon. At the very latest at uh, at East Coast Nationals at Watkins Glen. Sounds good, Austin. All right. Thanks, guys. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Take care.